Hello Pistons fans. This is the Hoopball Pistons podcast. I'm your host, Joey Gadaris, with you three times a week, all year on hoopdashball.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Hoopball Pistons. Today, we're recapping the back-to-back, the Cavaliers and the Raptors on Friday and Saturday. Two games that couldn't have been any more different from each other for the Pistons. On the Friday, the front end, the Pistons lose 98-78 to the Cavaliers in the first game without Kelly Olynyk, and I think it showed sorely. While on the back-to-back on the Saturday game, Pistons get a thrilling victory, 127-121 over the Toronto Raptors. Of course, a team with a lot of length, but not necessarily a big man. So we're going to talk about these two games, what we saw. There were a ton of positives in that second game. Um, And we're going to, again, sort of ask the question of replacing Kelly Olynyk and just how that's going to go down and how maybe the Pistons do bring in a player, maybe they don't. Uh, What would happen if they don't bring in a player is, is an interesting scenario for me. And, of course, Saban Lee is continuing to knock on the door. Going to talk about the third Cruz game uh, that happened last Friday. Cruz lose to the herd. They're now o- or one and two. Sorry, two losses to the herd. But Saban Lee, another forty points in this one. He's officially the G League's highest scorer, averaging thirty-seven and a half points through three games. Also averaging eight and a half assists, five rebounds. And there was also a positive performance in this game from Jamorco Pickett. Another player that I've said has a chance of making the NBA roster. We'll talk all about the G League at the end of the show. So let's start with the Cavaliers game on Friday. As I said, I think the headline coming into this game was the absence of Kelly Olynyk, The Pistons' really only nominal true center on the team. Of course, Isaiah Stewart plays center. He's only 6'9". And the Pistons didn't have anyone taller than 6'9 on the roster for a game uh, against a team that has Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Taco Fall. (laughs) Like the Cavs actually, this was such a blowout that in the end, the Cavs actually do sneak Taco Fall into the game. Uh, It's just a victory lap to show how many tall guys they have. But no, this game was um, out of hand in the third quarter. Uh, which is pretty much a theme for Pistons blowouts. It's, it's one of the categories of Pistons blowout this year. Just the third quarter romp. Um, and, and what I mean is you go into the third quarter losing by a bit, and then you leave it losing by 20. You know, The Pistons score 11 points in the third quarter. So there's not a whole lot to talk about from the second half of this game. It was It was mostly garbage time. During garbage time, there was an incident uh, where Dwayne Casey called Hamadou Diallo to check into the game, and Diallo gets frustrated. He's like, "No, you know, I mean, I don't know much, any de- any details about this, but um, it happened. People saw it happen." Diallo went to the locker room, did not check into the game. Troy Weaver, general manager, followed him down the hall. So I can only speculate on what that's all about, and I won't speculate about it. It is a shame for Hamadou that he hasn't been able to get into you know games this year. And after this game, you would have thought, I, I was definitely thinking, well, you know, the team is due for a, 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 some sort of roster shakeup. You can't let that happen to a team with a traditional center. 
because half the half the teams in the league have traditional centers. Um, so let's talk about the first half where there were some bright spots and also a huge negative that I have to talk about. Much love to Luca Garza. But, you know, the Pistons called up Luca Garza from the G League to replace Kelly in the lineup. He's nominally a center. I think he's also 6'9", uh, like Isaiah Stewart. And we know he has serious defensive liabilities. And straight away in this game, Isaiah Stewart, in the first 90 seconds, picks up two personal fouls. Now, he finishes the game with only three fouls. So, on the whole, uh, you can't necessarily say this was his worst foul uh, game of the year. But really the worst time ever for this to happen, (laughs) for him to pick up two early fouls. Uh, in a game where he truly has no backup, like the Pistons are are not not really built uh, for this to happen. So Isaiah goes out of the game. Garza checks in early, and you know I said the game ended in the third quarter. The game really ended in the first quarter <laughs> when on back to back possessions down the court. I mean, this was the highlight of the game. Back to back possessions down the court. Jared Allen. First, he gets a poster on Garza where, you know, he's posting him up mid-post, calls for the ball, catches it. The ease with which he just puts puts it on the floor and gets to the hoop, humongous slam dunk. So easily, no resistance from Garza. It pops off the screen how Garza doesn't move. He's a pylon. Okay, so this wasn't like poster-poster. Garza didn't even contest the shot. It was just... Oh no, that guy's a real a real center. That guy's not an NBA player. It it jumped off the page. Next time so then the Pistons get the ball, right? The Cavs score, Pistons take it down, and Cade finds Luca for a nice little dump off dunk. So Luca actually gets a bucket on the next possession. So, you know, props to Luca. He loves to battle. He loves this. But next time down the court. Darius Garland and Jared Allen is a dangerous combination. Darius Garland is a terrific lob thrower. He runs this offense so smoothly. They recognize it immediately. They know they have to go back to Jared. And, you know, you can watch this play (laughs) unfold, you know, five seconds before it happens. You know he's about to get postered. Um, You know, Luke is backpedaling. The lob goes up. Jarrett annihilates Luka Garza he just he's he falls to the ground he barely even gets off the ground he doesn't really jump at all but he falls like a like a beached whale I mean not to say that about Luka I you know I I do like him but man that was one of the most embarrassing posters it wasn't even like it wasn't it didn't even light up Twitter like people didn't go crazy for it because of how glaringly bad Garza's defense was on this It, it doesn't even seem like he contested the shot so watching this all happen, this is in the first quarter. It's like 4-12, to 12, right? And the game already feels very much over. And there weren't really a lot of positives from the game. The one positive, and you know I'm a big Killian Hayes fan, Killian had a good game. He had a line of 5 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 6 steals. So it's a 56-56 game. A 4 by 5 game. You know, it's a fun statistical anomaly. Uh, You know, Killian is going to make lines like this uh, possible because of his low scoring. But five first half steals, 
three in the first quarter really kept the Pistons in that first quarter. And, you know, I said it was over when it was 4-12. to 12. The Pistons actually took the lead in the first quarter at one point, 18-17, after a Killian corner three, um, you know, because of the steals and because Killian hit that three. You know, he really kept them in it. And Jeremy Grant had a decent game, 16 points, two rebounds, an assist, two steals and a block, four four from the line, two threes. Um, but he was really, those two guys were really the only two bright spots, if you ask me. Pistons shoot 36% overall, 30% from three, 85% from the line is, is pretty good. But um, yeah, they were just outclassed in this one. Sadiq Bey, one of 12. Isaiah Stewart, one of five. Cade, uh, only nine points, six rebounds, three assists, and a steal in 31 minutes. I'm you know usually impressed by Cade regardless of the stat line, but seven turnovers tonight. It was pretty clear. The Pistons were just completely discombobulated. Uh, sloppy plays everywhere. Traveling calls. Really, really, I think the Cavaliers announcer said something like, wow, the Pistons are doing small things terribly. Uh, you know, like the old coaching saying about like doing the small things well. Like, I found that a really apt thing to say. And I actually like that uh, that announcer for the Cavs. But yeah, you know, he just said, they're doing the little things terribly, and that couldn't have been more true. Just losing the ball, you know what I mean? Just like, this game isn't even worth going on about. And if we're going to talk about the games that have happened chronologically, I think this is a good point uh, in the show to insert the bit about the Cruz, because on the same night that the Pistons are so um, unable to score, so out out of it offensively, Saban Lee puts up 40 points, 9 assists, and 5 uh, rebounds. He continues to be amazing in the G League. I in the first After the first game on the pod, I said, you know, there's no way he does this again, but if he does it again, you absolutely have to call him up. He's just done it three times. He's put up three monster games. He's the high scorer in the G League. Um, and I have a feeling that the Wisconsin Herd are, are pretty decent. They beat the Cruz twice. They're obviously the Milwaukee Bucks uh, G League team. So overall, a very good organization, championship caliber organization. But to read out some lines, Saban Lee, 40 points, 5 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals. Jamorco Pickett, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. Pickett with 2 threes. Saban with 8 threes in this game. It just feels like, you know, if the Pistons decide that they need some offense in their lineup, they need to turn to Saban Lee. He's already in the system. He's already played in the NBA. He's a Troy Weaver guy. He's a second round steal. Um, There's simply no reason that, especially after that Cleveland game, that we can't get Saban into the lineup. And so this is what I'm thinking. You know, I'm still thinking this about Saban. I still think he should get a shot in the NBA. But the Pistons told me on Saturday night that there are some matchups, there are some some games, right? The, the inconsistencies are really, really uh, frustrating. But there are some games where they're going to have offense. The Pistons broke out on Saturday. Of the nine players that played in this Raptors game for the Pistons, seven of them have double digits. Two 20-point scorers, Jeremy Grant and Isaiah Stewart. It was Isaiah Stewart's best game of the year. And it was also Killian Hayes' best game of the year. 
But before I talk about Killian, because he's really the star of this game and the star of the week for me, we got to talk about Isaiah Stewart. 20 points, 9 of 11 shooting, 2 of 2 from the line. He has 24, 3, and 2 blocks. What a game for him. Huge game. They got him going early and often. Um, several of the assists. Killian had 10 assists. Cade had 4. Just assists all around, actually. The team had 34 assists, which is really, really strong. Uh, to the to the Raptors, only 21 assists. So playing team basketball, but getting Isaiah Stewart involved was a big reason that, that worked. A lot of dump-offs, finding him, posting up uh, on good matchups. You know, the, Ra- the Raptors don't have necessarily that 7-foot traditional center uh, outside of a guy like Kem Birch, who's not much of a difference maker. So all night long, Isaiah Stewart, they were finding him for easy buckets. Um, I hope this gets him going. Of course, only two personal fouls for Isaiah, also really, really key to keeping him out there. But the best player in this game and the best player straight away was Killian Hayes. 13 points, 7 rebounds, 10 assists, and a block. Um, Just to talk about, I guess, some first-half highlights for me, some things that stood out. We've seen it in other games as well, but in this game it was highly effective, and that is the Cade-Killian double team. There's such a fearsome defensive pairing. I've said it before, um, but in this game it really seemed to cause trouble when they both collapse on one player, Siakam, Barnes. Um, they just, you know, you force that team to speed up. You force that team to make a decision. Killian, I think, is also as good as anybody I've seen at recovering from a double team. So there's there that, there never feels like a great amount of risk in doing it. It usually feels pretty safe um, with those two doing it. Killian has a block in the first half on Dragic, and he just looked confident running the the offense. It felt for the first time like we're actually forcing <laughs> Killian to be a playmaker, and he's rising to the occasion. Killian had seven, five, and five with a block and a three at halftime on 50% shooting. That's like a Killian full game line any other game of the year. But here it just felt like he was rolling, and the Pistons were rolling. Josh and Frank Jackson had 10 points at the half. Jeremy had 10 at the half. It's a quiet half offensively for Cade. But again, a big half for Isaiah. So if everyone else is going, right, the offense is clicking. Cade doesn't need to be ball dominant. That was the tail for the first half. 35% from three, 50% from the field in that half. Efficient basketball for the Pistons. I can't believe I'm saying it. But then, you know, things got even better in the second half. I mean, I, I couldn't believe what we were seeing. The announcers couldn't either. If you were watching this game and you know anything about Johnny Kane, he's uh, gaining prominence as a play-by-play guy for the Pistons and Detroit sports in general. Very excitable guy. Um, <laughs> after, like, you know, after any made three or anything that's, like, relatively normal but surprising for the Pistons, you know, Johnny would be like, ah, you know, just like losing it. And and I, you know, just general grunts and screams. And and I very much identified with his sounds that he was making. Um, second half, the Pistons don't miss a beat. And like I said, in, in the Cavaliers game, we saw this trend rear its ugly head where the Pistons let games just completely get out of hand in the third quarter. Here, for them to keep it close... And, of course, they end up winning, so it was close the entire game it was close. 
Um, but also just to not lose focus. Like more importantly than the, the score, I'm watching the performances to see if these guys are locked in, making good plays. And they're making good plays all over the place in this half. They start the half the same way they did the first one, getting some easy dump-offs to Isaiah. Getting Isaiah going is just so exciting. Um, you don't expect him to be a big source of offense. So when he is and when you can get him going, you just got to feed him. And in this quarter, we saw an interesting duo of Sadiq and Isaiah playing some two-man ball um, after Cade and Killian both went off the court for separate injuries at the same time. Killian returned to the court a little sooner than Cade. They would both return to the game. Killian has this lingering thumb issue on his shooting hand. And we all know Cade has this lingering ankle issue. They both looked good to close the game, so I'm not really concerned about it long term. But in that time when they were out, seeing the Sadiq and Isaiah two-man game, you know, Sadiq finding Isaiah for dump-offs the same way that Killian and Cade were uh, really fun. And Sadiq had two, I think, consecutive uh, steals against OG Ananobi. The way that the Pistons neutralized Ananobi in this game, really impressive. He's been really impressive this year as a scorer. And I don't think he ever really got in a rhythm. And this game was close going into the fourth quarter. And you really felt like you had your bucket of popcorn. And you were just eyes glued to the TV. Everything good is happening right now. Um, you don't even care if the Pistons win, really. You just love that they're in this close game. You love the performances you've seen from your young guys. Um, and the fourth quarter was the cherry on top. Started off with two two plays that I've seen Pistons Twitter super excited about. Um, and that is catch and shoot. Back-to-back catch and shoot threes for Killian with celebrations. Um, Killian has never celebrated anything in his life. He sort of does this, like, pull the arrow out of the quiver, and then he turns it into, like, a submachine gun. <laughs> it's not even, like, a totally coherent celebration. But um, two back-to-back threes for Killian. Super huge that he gets those. Jeremy three. And then down the stretch, last five minutes, Cade takes over. And Cade had been ice cold all game. Or at least on the periphery of the offense. He wasn't scoring himself. Um, you know, in part because everyone had it going. But in that final four to five minutes, we get a Cade assist, a Cade three. We're getting this three guard lineup with Corey Joseph, Cade, and Killian all out there at the same time. Really interesting lineup. Hoping to see Saban swapped in for Corey. Uh, but that's a that's an argument for another day. But, but to ice it, right? To ice the game. To win the game. Cade has an ISO 2 against OG. Just drives to the hoop. Gives him a little push. And OG is a big, strong guy. And he, he creates some space right under the hoop. Easy lay-in. And then, again, um, this is the one that lit up Twitter. This Cade ISO crossover. Take to the hoop. Left-hand lay-in. To do it with the left, you know. Against, I think it was OG. If it wasn't OG, it was Scotty Barnes. But I think it was OG. And, you know, he's a really good defender. Uh, <laughs> so these two buckets at the end to ice the game, really, really impressive for Cade. The Raptors have a final shot at it, but they miss a bunch of shots to uh, to run out the final 30 seconds. And the Pistons now have their third win of the year. Three and nine, fifth in the Central Division. Games this week. On Monday, 
Sacramento, 7 p.m. on Wednesday at the Indiana Pacers. And on Friday, Golden State Warriors. So two teams with big men and one team that we know loves to play small. But of course, they are amazing to watch on offense. And I (laughs) very much expect the rolling Golden State Warriors to give the Pistons some trouble. But that'll be an interesting game. Again, because the Warriors go small, can the Pistons put up a fight against maybe the best team in the NBA? It remains to be seen. But I think that does bring me to this final topic. And I'll just close on this and, um, you know, just give a little opinion, I guess, about where where the Pistons are headed without Kelly Olenek. We couldn't have seen two starker realities from the same team on back-to-back nights than what we saw this week. Luca Garza didn't play against the Raptors. Coach's decision. I, I do see some scenarios where Luca will get four or five minutes. I don't know, you know, garbage time. But I think the Luca experiment is over. He'll play in the G League maybe in the future, maybe next year. I don't know. I don't know. They might find another time for him. But he's clearly not the replacement for Kelly, really in any way. Even though he has shooting ability, he more than neutralizes that with just defense you don't see at an NBA level very often. So, Luke is not the answer. Of course, Isaiah playing the 30-something minutes he played against the Raptors is answer number one. If Isaiah can stay out there, can stay you know involved and out of foul trouble, the Pistons are a good team. That's been a real challenge for them this year, and for Isaiah specifically. So we can't assume that he's going to stay in every game. It would just wouldn't be backed up by stats or history. We know it's going to happen again. And what do the Pistons have? They have Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles has been fine. I know people are sort of referring to him. Oh, well, he can he's sort of a stretch big, which is just, a, I think, a sort of crazy thing to say if you consider no one would have said that <laughs> prior to the Kelly Olenek injury. And now all of a sudden, Trey Lyles is a, is a stretch big. For the season, he's a 30% three-point shooter. And, you know, the Pistons are atrocious shooting the ball. So... In context, he might look like a decent shooter. But, you know, Trey Lyles, he can't do anything more than probably defend at a at a basic average level, hit a three. So we've heard rumors of Marvin Bagley. Pistons fans always bring up Harry Giles. We know how, how plentiful, you know, pretty average backup centers are very plentiful I don't know what it would take for the Pistons to get one in and I I do think that if they were to get one in they'd want him to be you know a Troy Weaver guy which could be Marvin Bagley like a failed high draft pick could be you know, a young guy could be a G League guy. 
I would be more interested in that kind of option, a creative, you know, might not work out kind of op- a riskier option, I should say. I'd be in favor of that over a boring option of a truly traditional center who's, you know, got no upside, no potential to improve. Um, I'm thinking of a guy like Ennis Cantor, who I've heard mentioned. But at this point, I don't know. You you cannot have games like the like the Cleveland game happening on a regular basis. I don't think it's good for anybody, anybody's mentality, and you're and you're losing like half the game to garbage time. So I do think that if those games, and we'll see right away against the Kings, we know Rashawn Holmes is good, we know they have size, and we know the Pacers have size. Sabonis, Turner. So I think we'll see right away whether or not the Pistons have what it takes to uh, stand up to these kinds of teams. But if they get blown out, and if it is not pretty, some action needs to be taken. Six weeks is a long time to be missing Kelly. And um, yeah, I'm just curious what, it, what what it'll look like, especially when Saban Lee is, is daring you to call him up. So I've sort of told you what's coming up this week. And how excited I am for this week uh, from Killian. He's my player of the week. Although I didn't set it up that way. But it's it's definitely it's clear to me. That's, that's the choice. But until next time, see you later. Go Pistons.